0: Welcome to episode 115 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Autumn Smith is the co-founder of Paleo Valley and Wild Pastures. She holds a master's in holistic nutrition. She's a certified eating psychology coach and a certified FDN practitioner. Autumn's passion for health began with her own struggles with IBS and anxiety. Despite a career as a professional dancer and celebrity fitness trainer, her own health was in shambles. Desperate for a cure, Autumn and her husband Chaz stumbled upon the Paleo diet in 2011 and within a month of beginning it, Autumn's health was completely transformed. Autumn then made it her mission to share this information. She had learned with as many people as possible. We've done several episodes on micronutrients and sleep. Each one of them has in-depth information. You can scroll down the show notes and listen to several more episodes. This one is unique in that we look at All the several common misconceptions and breakdown concepts such as RDA and the myth about not needing as much protein. This episode takes a peek into specific nutrients, what deficiency looks like, how it interplays with sleep and where can you get it from. Autumn is a star in navigating tricky areas and it is clear why she is so successful at what she does. When it comes to micronutrients, sleep and mental health are very similar. Before going into medication and worry, assessment of challenges must first begin with assessing the state of micronutrients in each person. The problem in the space of sleep and mental health is not looking at these as predisposing causes or triggers of challenges themselves. Addressing micronutrient deficiency can be powerful ways in which you support the body to restore balance by itself. Enjoy this conversation with Autumn Smith. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine practitioner, author in New Guinea and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast The only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, Let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey great to have you on the show autumn and we had the little conversation before and i've always been amazed by that radiant sincere warmth that bubbles from you it's as if there's nothing thing that is it's what you see is what you get is what I felt the first time I saw you on the summit so I knew I wanted to have you and of course I've heard a lot about Paleo Valley and I have actually prescribed some of those products to uh, clients living in the US themselves Uh, Mm -hmm. even so it's uh, I would love to go a little bit into that area of what brought you into that space itself but today we are speaking about the role of nutrient deficiencies in sleep and I think it's a huge part of sleep quality or even the ability to fall asleep because typically Mm -hmm. the people struggling with poor sleep are those who have some form of restrictive diet or who are not conscious about seeing that their nutrient status is uh, taken care of. And before we go in autumn, I must ask you also to interweave something which is a concern to me, that a lot of people seem to think that supplements are Pills And they've got a mental block against taking them. I know I struggle Mm -hmm. with a lot of clients who feel I don't want to take these pills. However, these are the Mm -hmm. same people who are on antidepressants for several years, and they don't seem to understand the Uh, difference between pills and supplements. And when I try and describe that it's just micronutrients, it's vitamins, minerals, sometimes you can't get the therapeutic dose from eating food or maybe you need it in a higher dose for a specific reason so I would love for you to interweave this into our conversation and why nutrients are so critical not just to sleep but to mental health overall health so let's start a little bit about how did you enter this space yeah
1: Oh, like I said, it's such a pleasure to be here and connect with you. It's been a few weeks we've been trying to make it happen. So I'm so glad we did. And my journey began when I was about 10 years old and I started to have digestive issues that doctors in my town couldn't really fix. They labeled it irritable bowel syndrome and they sent me home with some gas X, which is kind of like, uh, and then they just said, you know, it's stress related, good luck. Mm. And so It just, it kind of got worse from that point on and my parents did what they could, but given that we were told that there was no solution, there wasn't a lot we could do. And then in my teens, as life got a little more challenging, I started to develop mental health struggles. We now know there's this brilliant and beautiful connection between the brain and the gut. We weren't so savvy to that relationship at the time. So my mom and dad obviously got worried and I went on antidepressants and they really didn't work for me. They didn't work for me at all. I felt like a different person. I was a zombie. I had my head down on my desk. And when that failed me, then I started to think. Well, I don't feel good. My life's unpredictable. I can't always be social, and I don't feel like myself. So what do I do? I, I got into substances, drugs and alcohol, and smoking, and just trying to manage this kind of unpredictability and anxiety that I felt. And I did that until I met my husband, essentially, and was smiling all the way through it, just suffering in silence. And he took a look at me once we moved in together and said, "Wow, you're in a lot of pain every day." Wow, and yeah. Yeah, you're still working. And I was actually as a fitness trainer, I was still working out six hours a day, you know, doing it with a smile, but My skin was breaking out. My stomach looked pregnant after meals. And I would crumple into a ball after work and and cry a lot of days. Um, And I just thought that was normal or what I needed to expect. And he didn't want that for me. And so he got on the internet and we found dietary solutions back in 2007. People were seeing that when they changed their diets, digestive issues uh, went away. And That's why I initially began to change my diet and become so fascinated. But what I didn't anticipate is that my mental health would change so significantly. And I just basically had a whole new lease on life. And so I decided to quit my job as a fitness trainer and go back to school. I got my master's. I did a few other programs right now. I'm getting my doctorate all in holistic nutrition. Basically, I just became so inspired about the healing power of food and how much power it has. It's literally the backbone of our health, right? The cells, everything we're made out of is made from food, right? We're breaking it down. Our sleep quality, I mean, exactly when we don't have these nutrients, our health suffers in multiple ways. And so we started in physical products with Paleo Valley because we wanted to make a really holistic uh, lifestyle accessible because I thought I can talk all day about nutrients that matter but when at the end of the day people don't know where to get them and that's why we went into physical products and created paleo valley to help people find simple ways to make their life and more uh, healthy
0: lovely autumn and i mean see the thing that and you said right there about your own story about how your mental health just shifted after that so i will come to uh we'll talk a little bit more about that whole Uh, intersection between nutrients and mental health and also why people should consider looking a little deeper at nutrient deficiencies before starting antidepressants or at least try to support side by side. I know that when I shared something like this with someone who went and shared it with a psychiatrist who got very upset with me that I brought this up but I think it is a growing concern that we cannot, I've had eight out of 10 women in the last one year who have come to me who've been on antidepressants. Two of them were in the healthcare space themselves, which was really baffling to me. So we'll come to that a little later, but how do nutrient deficiencies and sleep quality interplay with each other? And I must ask you, is it bi-directional? Does poor sleep also increase nutrient deficiencies within our body? And then of course, uh, how do nutrient deficiencies prevent our ability to fall asleep or have optimal sleep?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of interplay. Like I said, nutrients are literally the backbone of vibrant health and sleep. And there's several nutrient deficiencies they've seen in research that seem to increase and decrease or increase the ability to have worse sleep outcomes. So essentially vitamin D and calcium and magnesium, and there's some research around iron and zinc and calcium again. Oh, in terms of non REM sleep specifically, but when we don't have our nutrient bases covered, hundreds of different things don't happen, right? There can be neurotransmitters that aren't created properly. Uh, when we eat something like a tryptophan, which is an amino acid, then that is converted to serotonin, which is kind of that relaxing neurotransmitter that a lot of people, or it is uh, hypothesized that a lot of people are deficient in, which is why we are actually trying to replete those levels with medications of various uh, kinds. But serotonin is also on the pathway to melatonin. And so when you don't have B6 and and adequate tryptophan and on and on, these pathways can't come to their completion and your sleep can suffer. Like I said, calcium has been found to, or calcium deficiency interfere with REM sleep, People who have iron deficiency seem to have shorter bouts of sleep. So the sleep duration, um, even under five hours, seems to be a big problem. Zinc as well seems to shorten sleep quality. B12 is funny because it has contradictory research around it. We're not quite sure exactly how that will play out, but some says that it actually improves sleep when you have enough, and others say that it can make you a little too alert, uh, and in funny- fact,
0: uh, I must stop you for a second, Autumn, because I had Dr. Michael Murray on one of the episodes who spoke about B12 in sleep. And what he said was he uses B12 and melatonin therapeutically for sleep, but he uses it in a specific way. Sometimes when people are struggling with poor sleep, they have challenges with being alert in the morning. So he uses the B12 in the morning to raise raise cortisol and boost activity and then he uses melatonin at night and he said this interplay Mm -hmm. between the two is what corrects the circadian rhythm where people are more alert in the morning and they're better sleeping in the night. So I think it's also about just maybe in research they've looked at B12 usage at night and then Uh, connected it to being more alert yes but we wanted to be alert in the morning and I think how (laughs) we are in the morning also decides how we are sleeping in the night so I just wanted to mention that there as well and of course you mentioned zinc and iron so I did want to also ask you because I have had several people who come to me, even young girls, uh, 12 year old girls who've been on antacid usage for a couple of years and the ferritin levels have crashed. Uh, yeah. So of course we've got that whole area as well, but go ahead, I'm sorry to have interrupted you. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's
1: probably a very relevant point is that there's a many reasons that our nutrient levels get depleted. And current, you know, medications are definitely one of them. Gut dysfunction is another one of them. Stress is another one of them. We have nutrient depleted soils. And so even the food that we're taking in, that is another reason. But yeah, I love that. Vitamin B12, you're right. When you take it in the morning, it just does seem to help, um, And train that circadian rhythm. That is something they found along with vitamin A. It seems to do both of those nutrients seem to be really important for that as well. Uh, Vitamin C is another one that they've seen with like sleep duration. And it's funny because a lot of people think that if they get the RDA, uh, you know, that they're having adequate amounts. But there's even some research to suggest that just subclinical, you know, deficiency or just lower levels of deficiency than you would expect would impact sleep and a shorter duration. So lots of different nutrients to look at and to improve. And you can of course do testing and you can kind of like fill out a chronometer report too. But, and I like also that you ask, can um, reduced amounts of sleep interfere with nutrient? I would say, yes, I actually haven't looked into the data but of course your body is much more stressed And when you're much more stressed, you're going to be excreting more nutrients and minerals and B12 or vitamin B and and magnesium. But then also, you're also going to be changing the way that you eat. There's good research to suggest when you're sleep deprived, you're (laughs) going to dysregulate uh, ghrelin and leptin levels. And then you're going to be more drawn. I think in research, it was like 20% increased food intake. And then also you're going to be more drawn to high calorie foods and more carbohydrate rich foods. Foods. and so yeah, absolutely I think there that it is bi-directional for sure.
0: And let's talk a little bit about RDA because you mentioned that and I have another pushback from clients where it is they look at some therapeutic dosage and then they look at the bottle or they Google and then they say but you've given me such a high dose I'm not supposed to take so much. So can you speak a little bit about the use of therapeutic? dosage in certain aspects and why that might be different from an RDA and what is that RDA eventually?
1: Yeah, so when they're setting these minimum requirements, and I'll just use vitamin C as an example, a lot of times it's just to prevent really severe disease. Like we know vitamin C, scurvy, when we don't have enough under 10 milligrams a day, we end up with you know bruising and hemorrhage and um, teeth issues. We end up with scurvy, but just going above that, where the RDA here is around 75 to 90 milligrams, just because we don't present with disease doesn't mean we're doing well necessarily. Doesn't mean we have enough of the nutrient in order to thrive. And I think that's a big difference with functional medicine and just traditional medicine. We're going beyond that into more functional ranges. And sometimes nutrients beyond what is required by the RDA because when they determine these a lot of times, it's based on, you know, at vitamin C. It was very small sample sizes, right? In just a homogenous population, meaning it was young people and not people with disease or high levels of stress or any sort of health issue, and um, and then they measure it in one part of the body. But the point being just because there's an RDA doesn't mean that you won't benefit from more of that specific vitamin because your individual biochemistry and your life status and your health history, none of that is being taken into account here. And like vitamin C, we aren't going to live our best lives probably on 75 or 90 milligrams. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that higher doses are actually better, especially in certain conditions. Like animals in the wild, they produce vitamin C when when they're sick and when they're stressed. And in some nutrients like vitamin C, I think higher doses are very important, specifically when you've been tested and you know that your levels are low, right? then we know you need to replete those nutrient stores. And then for some people, you're not absorbing the nutrients with 100% efficiency, right? And so you might want to take in higher doses at that point in time too. But vitamin C is a really great example because many, many wonderful health benefits have come from people using really high doses of vitamin C in a very safe manner. And just because it doesn't line up with the RDA doesn't mean you're not still benefiting. So I understand why people might, be concerned because there's this big pushback against this. And, but there is a whole field called orthomolecular medicine where they look at this high dose nutrients and the power they have to heal. And it's pretty remarkable when you actually look at all the data
0: let me go a little bit more detail into you mentioned some of those deficiencies that are involved in perhaps the inability to sleep well but can we go a little deeper into each of them especially in terms of what are some of the signs of deficiency in zinc and iron so that people actually look for you so one of the things also you mentioned was testing so um where I mean what do we look at I know that people in India or certain clients who come to me for example looking at iron they're only looking at hemoglobin and that doesn't really tell you anything Uh, so what are the what where should they be seeing somebody to have that interpreted because the Uh, ranges can be different in terms of um, a traditional medical model versus a functional paradigm and so another pushback I've received is that your functional ranges are flawed and they're very narrow and they're stressing me out and the lab doesn't (laughs) show it like this so I'd love to get some thoughts on that as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's such a good question. And yeah, like you're right. When they do these lab ranges, what they do is they're basically based on the people who are using that lab, first of all. Right. And oftentimes when people come to a lab, they're not feeling their best. Right. And so we can't necessarily assume that the middle of that range of a sick population is an ideal range, or that is probably not your goal necessarily. Right. And they change based on the lab. So there's that. And also to functional medicine ranges. Yes, they're definitely more narrow and they're, they're a goal. You don't have to be there all the time, just taking small steps, but they are more indicative of what you want to look for in terms of optimal health, rather than just being smack dab in the middle of some lab reference range. okay? So when it comes to micronutrients and sleep, one I don't think I mentioned at the top was um, vitamin D. And this is really important. They've seen people who have low levels of D have worse sleep quality and less sleep. So in terms of signs that you might have uh, low levels of vitamin D, you might have um, bone loss, maybe mood issues, joint and bone pain, um, fatigue, you might have seasonal affective disorder. Those would be signs immune dysfunction. We know that vitamin D is actually more like a hormone. Uh, and so you could have any of those signs and that would be indicative of vitamin D status being a little bit low suboptimal. Now there's you know, people will kind of quibble about exactly where you want your vitamin D ranges to be. And what I say is most of the time I have people start with uh, sun exposure when you can. And then I often do uh, cod liver oil. And then I save doses if, if you need to raise the levels. Um, so vitamin D is really, really important, but it's important for so many other things too. When it comes to iron, it's really interesting. Like I said, sleep duration is one thing they see with a lot of iron uh, issues and also re- restless leg syndrome too most people tie that to magnesium but it can also be a thing with iron and so i yeah and iron deficiency like you said is it's pretty rampant. It's actually the number one worldwide um, deficiency. And you can have things like fatigue and GI distress and even concentration issues and learning difficulties and just, um, you know, feeling out of breath. Those would be signs that you have an iron issue. And interestingly enough, one of my favorite ways to actually get iron levels where they need to be is with liver. And I know, I don't know if you're into that, but Liver, in 1934, there were some Nobel Peace Prize winning physicians, three of them actually, and they won an award for finding that liver was actually able to correct anemia. Uh, First, they did it in animals, I believe, and then two physicians later uh, showed it in human beings. And it was basically because of all of the other nutrients, the vitamin A and the copper, in the liver in addition to the iron and so it's again that synergy because i know a lot of times iron supplementation can be difficult and constipating and on and on but so that would be an iron thing zinc issues would be like slow wound healing you might have a loss of taste a loss of appetite you might have um growth issues and zinc is another one of those that they've seen at least in the studies that i've read to have um associated with a like a more less sleep like having shorter sleep duration and zinc is another one of those things that you can you can definitely supplement you want to keep it um, in balance with copper but i also like to just really i'm a very food focused practitioner and clinician I always start with food first and so things like oysters and um, again high quality organ meats would be good pumpkin seeds and things like that Um, also when it comes to sleep uh, vitamin b12 like we talked about great sources of that would be liver and um, oysters and this is an animal product specific so even chicken and turkey you can get b12 lower levels of b12 but basically um And like you said, it entrains your circadian rhythm and um, testing can be interesting because a lot of times you will have B12 deficiency uh, before it will be picked up by your physician necessarily. And um, other ones that we might, oh, protein would also be a really good one to say. Protein,
0: there was some like- I was just going to tell you, (laughs) Autumn, that I had two, three days of uh, very erratic schedules and I had- Terrible sleep. And then yesterday in the evening, I decided I had had enough because I've been under these vague time zone calls and it was really getting too much to have three nights of poor sleep. So in the dinner, I added a double protein and I topped it up. I topped up my meal with a surplus protein shake and I had eight and a half hours. I didn't even open my eyes and I knew, but at that point, my body was crumbling and I needed to do something. Sometimes when I tell people this, they're like, you're making too big a deal about protein, but I think it's really the backbone of sleep.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you
0: brought it up. It's one of my favorite topics. And it is my goal
1: to get people more comfortable with aiming for like 90 um, to 100 grams of protein per day. And when they looked at the RDAs, they're really
0: low. When I say you need 100 grams for healing, they think I've lost my noggin. No, I am
1: so on your team because when they look at these, um, when they set these recommendations again, they set them on a man and a woman who yeah, I think looks like a 125 pound man and 155 pound uh, or no, I'm sorry, 155 pound man and 125 pound woman. And these are just smaller people and they're basing them on um, nitrogen studies, which aren't always that consistent. And yes, in times of healing, in times of stress, if you're looking to lose weight, if you're having mental health issues, protein, if you're having sleep issues of course protein is one of the most powerful nutrients um and signs you might not be getting enough would be like an energy roller coaster right Brittle, brittle hair and nails um you might be hungry all the time. And like you said, you might have sleep issues. So they've done studies and they found like low levels of protein intake. I think it was in this particular study below 16% of your daily intake uh, was associated with like not being able to sleep as well. But then also for some people having more than that seemed to um, make them a little bit more alert. But again, it's about finding that perfect range for you. For me, the people I work with, it's around hundred grams a day. That is always what, we're yes, going for yes, and yes. when you're not yeah you're bouncing all over the place or that's what i've found um i consistently if i don't hit that mark i will wake up in the middle of the night it is just it's a given for me with protein yes so, so yes, glad absolutely. you absolutely
0: and i think women might be more sensitive because i see a lot of women losing sleep when they don't have enough protein
1: oh a hundred percent. I think so many women out there are suffering with a lack of protein on so many in sleep, mood, weight loss, just hunger and cravings, just so many different reasons. And um, just bumping that protein intake. If there's nothing else, uh, start there for sure.
0: Lovely, Autumn. And I do want to ask you this because I've been uh, questioned about only bringing attention to how to get food from animal sources so I don't want us to stay within that uh, narrow zone so I would like to ask you let's say somebody was focused on being plant-based for reasons personal reasons and we want to respect that what are some of those things they should be a bit cautious about because how can What I'm asking is how could they safely be on a plant-based diet by looking at covering certain nutrients that will take care of that?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So there's, um, I honestly don't work with a lot of vegetarians, but I know that a lot of your listeners probably will be vegetarians. And that is absolutely fine. And like you said, we respect that decision. So when it comes to like vitamin B12, I don't know that there is a good... Alternative, unfortunately, that's really sad to say. But I just think that one is something that you're probably just going to have to supplement with. When it comes to things like iron, I really like um, spirulina. Actually, that's a really, really good quality source of iron, as well as your leafy greens. You're going to have iron in those too, and just be being mindful of the fact that you will reduce, um, you will get a less. Milligrams of iron from plant based sources. But there's also things you can do. You can take that iron with vitamin C, right? The non heme or the plant based iron, you can increase that absorption with vitamin C rich foods too. So that would definitely be a good idea. And
0: in fact, Otter, my great grandmother and my grandmother used to say that you should never cook leafy greens without adding some tomatoes and some lemon. Um, what's that? I mean, that's just ancient wisdom. They didn't have any signs to it, but they just used to say that. I
1: love that. See, exactly. There's so much wisdom in um, tradition, right? That's beautiful. And then when it comes to like omega-3 fatty acids, I know that you can do, you know, flax seeds and things like that. And that's going to give you the precursor. I know there's like algae oil in terms of like a DHA supplement. um, So you could get something there too. And um, in terms of vitamin C, you can definitely get that um, pretty clear from plants, obviously in vitamin D, you can get, you know, fatty fish. You might actually, yeah, you're going to have to probably supplement Unless you're a vegetarian, you can do egg yolks. Egg yolks would be a really, really great um, source of um, vitamin D for people who wouldn't, um, wouldn't wanna eat actual flesh, if that's a possibility for you. And if you're someone who does dairy products, that could be a great alternative as well. Beans and legumes are great sources of some of the minerals that we've been talking about. And as well as folate, B9, we haven't talked a lot about B9, but that is also a nutrient that I see a lot of people deficient in that can definitely affect mood. And so legumes would be great, chickpeas, things like that. And uh, is there any other uh, particular nutrient you were thinking of or... No, you, I
0: think in? you covered everything. That was pretty good. But yeah, that's what I say that uh, when it comes to omega-3, sometimes there is a belief among many people who are plant-based because sometimes people are prompted to go plant-based Uh, based on a family member or a friend telling them to do so or just being swayed by uh, the movement that's growing so rapidly that they forget that you need to have a little bit of caution. And then, you know, when you bring attention to that, sometimes they seem to feel offended by it. But I just want to Mm -hmm. say that if you do want to go plant based, please do so the right way so that you don't incur those deficiencies. Because a lot of people who are um on antidepressants have come from a plant-based diet and I'm not saying that to offend anybody but I just want to say that even if so even if you are diagnosed I'm not saying be uh, anti-medication but do look at trying to cover these nutrients and you covered that beautifully um can I just say I'm I'm so with
1: you, and I think the big concern is vitamin B12, right? I think that's the big one, and then calcium also um, can be an issue if you're not doing dairy, and like you said, uh, vitamin D is the big one too. And we've covered that you know they're less of av- available, but protein. I actually interviewed a vegetarian researcher this morning, and that's an also, and she is. Obviously, a proponent of the vegetarian diet, but also recognizes that yes, there are definitely nutrient deficiencies and it's harder. And she even proposes that we should raise um, the RDA for specific nutrients because of um, those deficiencies or the fact that it's harder. I think in one piece of research that we talked about this morning, she urged people, especially people who are athletes, to have 20 grams more of protein every single day if you're going to be relying on vegetarian sources. And so it isn't that you can't do this. We would definitely never tell you that, but it is easier to become deficient when you're not eating animal proteins because unfortunately they are some of the most nutrient dense foods in the world. And there's a lot of different, um, Calculations for nutrient density, and you'll see in most of them what happens is that plants are at the top, and that is often a result of calories being uh, penalized. Essentially, so looking at when you're looking at other nutrient deficiency uh, charts or calculations, uh, someone named Matthew Lalonde out of Harvard actually did a new one, and um, he basically took you know took away that penalization for calories and said, look, we we need food with really high calories that are also nutrient dense and when you look at that rating system you have things like organ meats and then herbs and spices are like number 2 basically and then you have seafood and you have raw vegetables and you have fruits way down and grains are like some of the lowest foods down there. And that doesn't mean they don't have value, but it does mean that you're going to have to eat more calories and probably be very mindful about your intake if you want to kind of cover all your nutrient gaps. And the way that I have people do that when I work with them is work with chronometer. It's a free tool. There's this software C R O N O M E T E R.com. And then you just fill out your days, allotment of calories, what you're eating. And then it's going to show you your micronutrient gaps, you know, as, uh, and make sure that you're making sure that your entries are the ones with the most nutrients. That's a really important piece because there's a lot of different entries. So to be as accurate as possible, but it's a great starting place. Mostly it cultivates awareness. We're obviously not going to say this is exactly the reality in your blood work or in your body, but it just helps people to understand, oh, wow, I'm consistently low on calcium. How can I then go about raising those levels? And if you're a vegetarian, I just want to Uh, or a vegan mentioned that when it comes to calcium, you can do things like um, sesame seeds and collard greens. And a lot of those cruciferous vegetables will really be good sources there too.
0: And uh, so Autumn, I know that we're almost at the end of our time together. It was great conversation, but Mm -hmm. I would love for you to just close this by telling us a little bit about what I, what do you think are some of the baseline nutrients that you feel people should uh, keep a watch on? And is there something that you do you believe that everyone can be supplement free? Is there some basic nutrients that people need uh, over and above a great diet. I, I, I totally agree that uh, supplements can't outsmart a pathetic diet. I'm not asking about that. How can we improve <laughs> our, the, uh, our optimal health by, with the, the uh, intersection between a great diet and the right baseline supplementation is what I'm asking you.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, you know, I really wish you could get all the nutrients from food. And unfortunately in today's environment, uh, we have less nutrients in our food than ever before. And we have to eat, I think two times the amount of meat, three times the amount of vegetables, at four to five times the amount, uh, I'm sorry, four to five times the amount of vegetables, three times the amount of fruit to get the nutrients that we did back in 1940. So I just don't think, and, and especially when, if you're eating a more standard American type of diet, your audience might not be, but some people are where, not only are we having fewer nutrients, but it's being crowded out by heavily uh, processed foods that literally contain very little nutrition. And so I do think there is an absolute case to be made for supplementation, especially for specific nutrients. You said like vitamin D, for example, right? There's a lot of benefits of vitamin D. And if you don't live in a part of the world where you can get adequate amounts all times of year, I think it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and supplement or get a vitamin D lamp or something. I often do cod liver oil. Like I said, I have a vitamin D lamp that I keep in my house. And when it's actually nice outside, I have this, have you ever heard of that app D minder? Do you have that? No. Okay. It's a- it's a really cool app. You can go and get it, and it will tell you how many IU's of vitamin D you're getting and what oh, the. is nice. I yeah. love that. It's amazing. It's like the optimal time in your day based on your location um, and when you can get the most uh, bang for your buck, so to speak. So, yes, I, but I do think for some people that's just not possible, right? Um, uh, and then also uh, magnesium. We didn't even talk about it, but magnesium is a very calming relaxation mineral, it improves GABA levels in the brain. It just kind of calms us down. And that is one that i found to be very helpful for people with sleep and also very hard to get in our modern diet, right? To get enough magnesium, you know, leafy greens, nuts and seeds. I don't see a lot of people getting enough. And so definitely supplementing with that. That's a great idea. It also helps with constipation and on and on. Another one of the things that I see people most often deficient in is, uh, omega-3 fatty acids. So if you're not eating a lot of fish, I definitely recommend supplementing. There's good research around, you know, heart health in terms of triglycerides. And also there's this really cool study, uh, that up to a hundred milligrams, no, I'm sorry. One gram of EPA was actually shown to be protective against depression. And there was a trial with you know, fish that showed that it actually improved sleep as well. I think it was a, a salmon trial specifically. And so getting those, you can't always, if people, a lot of people I work with for whatever reason, they don't love fish. And so I'm not saying that it's exactly comparable to fish. There's probably many things in fish that are working for us, but it is a great way to supplement. And so those are kind of my three baseline supplements. And I don't like minerals are harder because minerals, you know, need to stay in balance, right? They're not so you know, and you don't want to like, if you have too much zinc, for instance, it's going to kind of affect copper and on and on. So, but magnesium is different, I think on that note. Um, And most people will benefit simply because most of us are deficient and it's really, really hard to get from food. But I totally agree with you that a really high quality diet is absolutely the foundation of really vibrant health, but that doesn't mean that you can't supplement and receive further benefit. And I think a lot of us are going to be deficient and we have subpar digestion and on and on. And um, we would absolutely benefit from a few more nutrients. I
0: love it, Autumn. And they were all my own baseline supplements. So I feel are like they? Really <laughs> And uh, I think on that final note, I should also say that for me, um, the signs of vibrant health and that you're getting the right diet and nutrients are two key points. One is that you don't catch a flu. I haven't caught a flu in six years. And two what? is that you're not on any form of medication, be it antihistamines, painkillers, antacids. So for me, vibrant health represents these two points. Um, and before I let you go, I must have you complete our show mantra. If sleep is the new medicine then how would you complete that sentence for us
1: if sleep is the new medicine then I will prioritize it and do everything I can to improve my sleep
0: beautiful autumn where can people find you and just to clarify most of our listeners are in the U.S. Uh, okay (laughs) so uh, so where can people go what are some of the signature products in paleo valley that um, I know you mentioned cod liver oils I'd love to just have a quick walk through some of your signature supplements which would help sleep Mm.
1: You know what? This is great. So I think our beef sticks would be the number one, like you said, getting an adequate protein. They're literally the cleanest beef sticks on the market uh, because we don't have any weird ingredients. It's just organic spices and we ferment them, which is actually might sound kind of weird, but it it's actually a, an age old process that we've kind of resurrected in order to to prevent the use of all the preservatives. And so they're delicious. We also have turkey sticks. We didn't talk a lot about tryptophan, but there's good evidence that tryptophan is really important and can be helpful for sleep and mental health. Like we said, it's on that serotonin, it's converted to serotonin and later melatonin. So we have turkey sticks that are pasture raised and the cool thing about them also, other than how clean they are, is that they come from all regenerative American family farms. Our sourcing is like so important to us because we want our products to not only be good for people, but for the environment and for animals too. So beef sticks, Um, the essential C complex is really cool. Like I said, vitamin C seems to be important for sleep sometimes we need more than people think we do ours is a whole food based three of the world's highest sources of uh, vitamin C hawthorn berry camu camu and acerola cherry and so that's great. We didn't talk about glycine either, but there's some really cool uh, research around glycine, which is found in bone broth and bone broth protein powder, which we have dropping the body temperature, improving levels of serotonin. It is one of the things I do almost every night: is have a little bone broth protein powder. So uh, that's awesome. And again, we don't we don't take it extracted from hides or hooves, as most collagen powders would be. Uh, we take it from the bones of grass fed and finished animals and um probably the last one i want to say is the spirulina the greens powder now i think this would be helpful specifically because if you have listeners who don't want to eat animal products then the spirulina is a really great source of iron as well as protein and it has detoxification benefits and we wanted to create a greens powder without cereal grasses because cereal grasses are really actually difficult for humans to digest and um i couldn't find one on the market so the- that's another thing. And also, do you have a, comments, do you,
0: yes, I've heard about your urban complex. Do you have a suggestion on how people can use the spirulina? Because it's quite a strong flavor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have you tried our greens powder? No, I
1: haven't. Okay. So yes, our greens powder actually tastes really good. Spirulina is the base. Instead of cereal grasses, we put nice. spirulina. But then we also have 20 different fruits and vegetables. uh, And so it actually tastes like a little berry lemonade. And the cool thing is uh, most spirulina can be highly tainted and toxic. Um, It's a very porous substance. And so when it's raised in polluted conditions, it's like not something you want to be consuming. But our supplier is actually the cleanest in the world. And they adhere voluntarily to environmental um, or I'm sorry, European Union standards, as opposed to American, which are far less stringent. Um, And then the Oregon complex, like you said. Liver, probably the most nutrient dense food in in the world. So if you're ta- wanting to cover your nutrient bases, beef liver is a great place to start. Chicken liver is great. If, if you don't want to eat beef or whatever, but I love, um, organ meats, but I don't like the taste. I could not, I could not make that adjustment no matter how much I wanted to. And I'm someone who can pretty much eat things even just because I know they're good for me. But we put heart, liver, and kidney into capsules from grass-fed animals. Of course we freeze dried them to prevent their, or to preserve their fragile nutrient content. And, um, Great for people with B12 issues. Uh, vitamin A, one of the richest sources of vitamin A. It also contains vitamin B6 and B1 and B3 and iron, like I said, uh, zinc. It's just like a, a mineral and nutrient powerhouse. And we have superfood bars too, just for nighttime. Sometimes what I do, again, we didn't talk about this much, but you can pair tryptophan rich foods with a carbohydrate which is actually going to help increase the percentage of the tryptophan or that access to the brain so that it can go ahead and create those neurotransmitters. But if you have like a superfood bar of ours, which is has that glycine and a little bit of whole food carbohydrate, none of the junk, and you pair it with like a turkey stick, it could be like a really good one-two punch um, uh, to help improve your sleep later. So those are, we have other stuff too, but I think that's, that's a great yeah, start. And you can find me at paleovalley.com. Or you can find me at um, wildpastures.com. And if you're in the Denver, Boulder, Colorado area, we opened a restaurant too based on regenerative agriculture and that's called Wild Pastures Burger Company. So you can do that too.
0: I love that. I did see your post about the sweet potato fries or something. The entire meal looked so yummy. Yeah, we actually cook only in tallow rather than, I
1: don't know, I'm sure your audience is aware, but a lot of times vegetable oils can be heated and oxidized and then you don't want to be consuming them. And so we only cook in stable oils. Yeah, we have gluten-free haystacks, like a zucchini haystack and French fries. And we also do um, shakes that are sugar-free. So uh, they're delicious and burgers of all different kinds, all from regenerative farms. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. We're excited
0: beautiful autumn thank you for being here today and i know that i'm going to actually ask you a little bit about some of these products you mentioned because i haven't prescribed some of them to clients in the u.s and i would love to do so so i'm going to pick your brains afterwards but i would love thank you for being here it was an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you
1: yeah thank you thank you truly an honor
0: Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help, on your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health Health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com